HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Samantha Garner, and I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm a Cheeselandian because I take cheese seriously, just like they do in Wisconsin. Go to Cheeselandia.com to learn more, and if it's for you, sign up. Hello, welcome to Cookie Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cookie Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday from whenever... To wherever, whenever, whatever. I'm in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, as usual. Matt is in the actual bur- uh, booth at Roberta's Pizzeria. How does it, how does it look over there? Uh, it looks kind of crazy. They've been doing some fun things in the backyard, but uh, what, yeah. uh, what does that mean? Oh, yeah, like, like crazy that. as in what? busy? <laughs> oh, no. Well, I mean, I don't even know. I don't think they're open. We got Nastasia the Hammer Lopez still in California. Eh? How you doing, Nastasia? Fine. We got, uh, you sound fine. Great. Fine. <laughs> we got Rebecca the Boondoggler. Where are you right now, Rebecca? Are you in Brooklyn? Yeah, I'm in Brooklyn. Bo- bo- uh, doggling some boons, are you? You know, I have nothing to say to that. All right. I mean, you know, you wanted to come on. I figured you'd have something to say about that. Nastasia I asked her to asked come, on to come on for some color, for some <laughs> female color. Oh, okay. That's what, okay. What, by the way, what is the, what is the genesis of the term <laughs> color commentary? I don't know. I think I'm so that clear. it's not dull. Like black and white is dull, right? And then color is like vibrant. So color... So you think that that term goes all the way back to like the 70s when they were selling color TVs to people? I mean, like, I feel like I'm the only person here who's ever watched a black and white TV. What I I want the answer to be is that on black and white television, they would have one person whose job was just to describe what the color of each thing was that was being shown. That's what I I want the answer to be. I love that. I love that. Especially like two. Well, this is why, you know, I. One of the reasons I think why there's such like a color contrast between uh, different teams. I mean, imagine that in black and white. That's the blue person. It's the blue person. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. they both look identical on the same black and white thing. Yeah. Or how the you know Lone Ranger's T-shirt used to be a light blue, so that it showed up super white. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Isn't it hard to imagine like people in black and white with actual skin color, like Jimmy Stewart? You know, it's hard to imagine him as a person. That's not a, just a black and white person. I mean, he was in a bunch of color movies later on. Mm. He's got to watch those movies. They're just real boring. He was, in a, he was in a super boring, super, like, intensely boring movie called uh, Strategic Air Command, where it's basically just him chilling in a B-29 
which has got to be the most boring job on earth unless you're actually like just flying at high altitude in a B-29 for hours. Or like Charlie like, Chaplin, you know, like I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? They need smell-o-vision for him. Apparently one of the most intensely foul-smelling performers of all time. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Just apparently, just like like swamping the chonies, like stinking it up strong. I feel like that's like such a power move, machine. you know? Like if you're able to smell that bad and people have to deal with it, like... And you're so good at what you do, your job is like... Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like yeah. you smell awful, but we all want you here. Right. <laughs> Uh, wow, I mean, like I, I feel hadn't, like I hadn't a number considered of, turning. Yeah, a number of heritage radio engineers around. have tried this move, and then they found out their power was not great enough. It's like, guys, you gotta uh, go, go home. <laughs> but like, like Rebecca comes on and be like, like turning the man's stink into a power dynamic because like it that. is. Uh, Think about okay. it. Yeah, they like, have no choice. In your There's career, nobody better than someone him. not going to say something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, maybe he's successful despite of this stink. I mean, like, in other words, like, you're making it a conscious decision on his part to be no, stinking real bad. It's more, well, it's twofold. It could be that, but I think it's also at what point are the people around you not going to say anything to you because of how much power you have? Oh, oh, oh okay. Wait, wait. There's two different things, right? There's that, there's, he has power because yes. he's, so he can get away with stuff, yeah. right? And then there is, he is doing things to demonstrate that he can do whatever he wants. So yes. it seems to me to be two separate phenomena. I think right? you can I mean, toe like, the line, right? Like, I think most of the time it's probably just, this is me, I'm disgusting, and no one's saying anything. But I feel like, I'm sure they're, you know, they're testing it out, you know? Like, they must know legit, on some level. He, I mean, his, his famous character is a tramp, Right. So, I mean, like... He was going Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just going <laughs> his character is the tramp. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Chaplin. I do know. I love that picture of Chaplin when he's uh, giving America the, the, the hi-ho. He, he's like, he's like F you, Raggy, and he, like, leaves because he was ejected because of the whole... Because uh, he had his uh, communist uh, sympathies. You see Wait, that what exactly do you mean by a tramp? That's the name of his character, the little tramp. What? What like does hobo. that imply? Like a, yeah, oh, like okay. Hobo, like a, like a street urchin. Uh, I mean, yeah. but no matter what, it doesn't matter what he's doing. He could be in the, you know, up in the Yukon trying to like get gold and it's freezing out and he's still Charlie Chaplin, the little Trent. You know what I mean? I think the only time he does anything different was in The Great Dictator where it, I don't even know, maybe he's still playing that character. I haven't seen that movie in so long. Um you know, I haven't seen a Chaplin movie in probably decades. I mean, you know, I went through a phase where I looked at, through all of the, you know, I went through a historical movie phase and I looked at it all and whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, his granddaughter is an actress now. Last Una. name Chaplin? Yeah, Una. Huh. Yeah. Um, she was in something really good recently, but I forget what it was. Um, yeah, people can look it up. And we have not introduced, but yet he is here, John... Uh, how you doing, John? I'm doing well, thanks. Hanging out in Hi, John. Uh, in, in Connecticut, hey, Rebecca. in the land in the land of uh, in the land of Connecticut-based potato chips. Yes, that's exactly where I am. Yep. Yeah, nice. Hey, also, and Charlie Chaplin was very good looking. Listen, that's a subjective thing. No, it's fine. Should... Okay. 
Well, also, I mean, he's not very trampy. I mean, no. Nastasia is like grooving on Hitler stashes now. I mean, remember, he had the in Hitler Wikipedia. Yeah, then it's not a Hitler stash if he had it before Hitler. <laughs> and in it's, Wikipedia, it's still a Hitler stash. Not, right? You know, the photos I'm looking at, he doesn't have a fucking mustache. Hey, hey, God. She nice so, herself. She self it and I heard it. It was good. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to start so, doing that too. God. <laughs> Wait, but here's the thing. I'm looking at him dressed as a tramp, and, like, he's not as dirty as I would have expected. Like, this is a pretty clean tramp. Uh, well, uh, That might have been earlier cleaner, in his career. Looking. Like, he wasn't sure he could get away with it, so he started out cleaner, and then he just got smellier and smellier as he became more famous. Yeah, and yeah, Nastasia, like, like, I'm looking at that photo. Yeah. He is super... He was super he's hot. very attractive. Very attractive. <laughs> I mean, uh, okay, wow, it's just... Yeah. yeah. Wow. This, one of the... This is the kind of lady content that Rebecca's on here for. <laughs> Matt, yeah. Matt, put that photo as our as our photo of. Yeah, the is show. it is it public domain? It probably is. It's yeah, really yeah, it's I on. Mean, I just googled it. Right, just I'm look gonna, for the right, one right, where he right. doesn't look like a tramp. Yeah, obviously, you think I can't identify the hot photo? I'm gonna be. I'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Five wives. I mean, I mean look. Look at him. He, was, he can do that. Not all at once. Eleven kids. That's a lot. I mean, with five wives. That's kind of trampy. If you're rich and if you're if you're rich and you're going to abandon your families, then it's not so many. Did he abandon his families? Well, I don't I know. Mean, sort of. Yeah, like that's necessarily. A, I mean, that's right? an assumption. I mean, <laughs> that's an assumption. <laughs> what is your assumption that on the fifth wife they spat out eleven kids? I I don't. I mean, all right. Well, I mean, you can still be present and not be <laughs> yeah. married to the yeah. mother right. of listen, your child. Listen, I say, listen, like that. I th I, that is true. <laughs> while, while that is 100% true, and while the man was rich, right, uh, I know that he had some of his families here in the U.S. and had to leave the U.S., and, and he never came back, right? But I'm just going to say that uh, there are 24 hours in the day. There are 52 weeks in the year, okay? Yeah. And five sets of families to keep track of and be good. Well, that's a lot. Yes, yeah. but you're that's that's a but you're assuming that these women wanted him around, and they're like, "When's he coming back?" Like no, maybe I they're like, "Thank assumption. God he's not here, <laughs> and the money's he still flowing." So we were bad. just in it for the when face. Did I make that, when, now you said abandoned, abandoned. Yeah. Which makes me think that you're like, oh, these women felt abandoned or the children felt no, abandoned. No, they're, they're like, listen, I'm glad dad's you. not around. Nastasia, Nastasia, that, that is <laughs> What did you, you mean? Like, the, like, I'm thinking about the kids. The well, women are the women. Yeah. Well, but, the and the kids could be like, thank God dad's not around. He's really or, annoying. Or, they, like, or they could not, see that's him not the same. regularly the same. and then he's not by watching enough. By watching his movies? No. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they didn't all move to Switzerland, Rebecca. <laughs> all right, so uh, guys, Charlie yeah, Chaplin uh, is please. really good looking. Very good looking. I know, super hot. <laughs> oh my god! Are you being serious, wait, Matt? I, I want I want listeners to know yeah. that Nastasia, before we got on, was like, "I'm implementing the two minute rule." We've now oh, yeah. done. 12 minutes on Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> this, is how, this is how this always goes. We try and implement well, the question and, 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 rule, but we spend like 30 minutes. <laughs> have any of you ever like you don't even you guys like barely even know what he looks like you don't even know like you've never seen one of these yeah, movies apparently you don't even know the character in the movies it's gross it is literally his true face with a fake mustache and a hat no, no it's just not no. the same and also uh he is in movies i think the great dictator he doesn't play he's not in the tramp but i, I think he probably has the mustache because i think he's literally doing a hitler thing because that was in the 30s and modern times I, I don't think he's dressed that way i don't remember hmm. but it's because 
having actually watched all of these movies. You can say it's hot. Uh, also, I just want to say that we talked about a variety of things with, you know, under the guise of Charlie Chaplin, right? We talked name, about name family dynamics. We've... We talked about <laughs> we talked about Nastasia assuming that children. I was talking about the women, yeah, yeah. yeah. women and you children, know? yeah, the children. No, I was referring to the children, Nastasia. Yeah, okay. children. So, do we have uh, any uh, cooking things? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to try to rip through all of the 8 billion questions that we have. And Nastasia is only going to keep us to 12 minutes when it has to do with Charlie Chaplin and his relative hotness. Uh, I'm which, ready. You know, which, which picture are you looking at, by the way, where he's so hot? Just I can't, Wikipedia. I, Just the I can't, I'm, I'm actually working here, so I can't Wikipedia. I'll look at it later. Uh, I have, like, you know, everyone's questions up and, like, recipes that I have to talk about. But, you know, you guys talk about Charlie Chat. Is it the picture where he's leaving on the boat? No. Giving no. the F.U.? No. Just have send him that the picture? photo, Rebecca. I'm sending it right now. Young right, Charlie you Chaplin. Also, I Googled oh, yeah. Charlie Chaplin hot. And these are the images that came up. So I'm just letting you know. It's, it's uh, a thing. Okay, so you're self-selecting. No, I already did the regular. No, I already did the Jabba regular. Jabba the Hutt can look search. attractive in the right light. No, well, I mean, <laughs> I did the regular search first, and then now because we determined that he's hot, and you know, I made that conclusion on my own. I did the Charlie Chaplin hot search. No one's saying you're not your own woman, Rebecca. You can come to your own conclusions. Thank on you. The hotness of Thank Charlie you. Chaplin. I appreciate that. I wonder whether he's ever appeared in a diaper. Then he would be triple hot, right? What? We all know. We all, we all know. Rebecca. I'm not going to say anything more about this, but Rebecca likes a man in a diaper. Like, not that he needs a diaper. If I know you, what you're talking about, I have no but, idea what you're wait, talking about. Wait, does no about, one babe. know? This is me. Oh, oh. By the way, by the way, by the way, uh, what you've just witnessed is two people lying at the same exact time and in the same exact way. What do this you mean, people, diaper, like, Dave? Uh, this is a family I show. I want everyone to know. I want everyone. Oh. There's nothing, <laughs> Rebecca. There is nothing more family than diapers. Than a like, grown man in a diaper. Making assumption. <laughs> there is nothing more family than diapers. Yeah. Like the life begins with diapers and life ends with diapers. I'll leave it at that. Dave, Dave's um, right on that one. Yeah. All right. It's like it's like the famous uh, riddle of the of the Sphinx. Like you know, who poops in a diaper in the morning? Like poops in water in the in the afternoon, and, and poops in a diaper again in the evening. Oh, it's people. It's people. <laughs> That's, yeah, I sent you hot Charlie, by the way. That's not the hottest sure one, did. Rebecca. Yeah, but that's like a, this is a pretty no, that's nice a, one. Uh, uh, right. uh, first of all, Rebecca has sent me a picture of uh, just like a random 20s guy with like a, like, like a Houdini brow that, uh, I, I don't know. I would not, I would. You I don't, don't like, think this is Charlie Chaplin. You think I'm sending you false <laughs> No, images. I just don't think it's that hot. I just don't think it's that hot. I think like, you know, if, if you'd sent me a picture and I was like, oh, that's Paul Newman. Do hot. the other one, knows. Rebecca. Do the other okay, one. Okay, okay. And, and people, by, by the way, I don't know if you know this. We're not in a visual medium here, people. Yeah. This is not a visual medium. That's true. Yeah, yeah. No one knows what we're talking. I mean, they can look they it will, up. They will, because we're going to yeah, put the photos on... Uh, It'll be the cover, the cover. Okay, Dave, look at that one. Look at that one. They, they also have Google. Uh, 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 no, no, we, we'll talk about this later. He just looks like a guy to me. Just, he looks like a guy. That we'll a, second we'll do a breakout one? room. We'll do a breakout room looks, where we only discuss oh Charlie Chaplin. Goodness. <laughs> yeah, but I encourage you guys to actually watch a movie first so we can discuss it based on the person's actual talents. Watch um, the Yukon one is famous because he's got the little thing where he picks up the, here's a food thing, he picks up the rolls with his forks and he does the little can-can dance with the, uh, with the, with the rolls. 
Anyway. Uh, I think uh, I'm going to go with the dictator. I feel like that feels more appropriate for what we're going through these days. Nobody liked it when it came out because he was making a lot of a political statement. I, look, again, this is my memory from a long, long time ago, but they were like, make a funny movie already, which is funny, but it's not like, you know what I mean? Yeah. John, have you watched what? any of the Chaplin stuff? I have, yeah. What, the Gold Rush right. is political? Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. The, oh. the Dictator. Oh, Gold okay. Rush, yeah, yeah, okay. The, the Gold Rush is the classic one where he just, like, he's in the cabin, it's snowing, he does the yep. thing with the dinner rolls. Like, that's the classic stuff, right? And then, uh, you know, he did the one where, the, but then his political ones are the one where he's in the factory, right? Which, where he shows his, his leanings there. And the other one is the, obviously, The Dictator, which yeah. was done, I believe. 1940. Yeah, it, yeah. Oh, I thought it was the '30s. I didn't realize it was that late. But yeah, that's right before he, you know, gave us the heave ho. And I actually, did he leave the U.S. after the war? Did he leave before or after the House Un-American Committee? Can't remember. Unclear. Um, but I just want to let you know that when I was um, finding additional images to send you, there oh are a lot of very creepy Charlie Chaplin dolls, <laughs> um, as well. So you had to add the word Charlie Chaplin. There are a lot of very creepy dolls out there. True, no but specifically Charlie Chaplin dolls. Um, Nastasia is a collector of dollophenalia. I'm not. Really? Uh, what do you mean? Applehead dolls? Yeah. Applehead doll books? <laughs> oh my God. I Every mean, Apple doll head book I own is yours. Uh, a gift, you mean? <laughs> it's not mine. It's yours. Once you, you own make, it, it. You make me keep all that stuff so that you're not the Applehead stereotype. Now I. The, oh, the, the stereotype of the middle-aged man living yes. in, in lower Manhattan who making Applehead dolls. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that is a vicious stereotype. That's right up there with, uh, you know, person who storms the Capitol, right? Middle-aged man in lower Manhattan making Applehead dolls. Nastasia, you're the one that didn't want to be the stereotype of the, uh, of the Hell's Kitchen uh, lady who instead of cats has Applehead dolls, yeah. right? Yeah, and yet you made yeah. me do that three times. Made you no. I realized you chose to do that. We haven't actually discussed this. So the no. not well received Netflix series Nurse Ratchet, um, they feature Applehead dolls what? in it. See, Dave, I told you it was going to catch on. I mean, uh, did you not hear what she just said? Not well received. The show, but, not yeah, the apple. There's um there there's a scene where they're they're making Appleheads. I think it's to soothe the mentally. Uh, ill patients. Nothing is um, less soothing than uh, an Applehead doll. Yeah. I mean, it's, they're horrifying. I mean, the first time Dax saw an Applehead doll, a picture of it, he's like, "Get that away from me! I never want to see that picture again." And then I and then you did it in real life. Him, well, I was threatening to give it to him as his Christmas gift. He's like, "I'll burn it. I'll, I'll <laughs> crush it. I'll put it in the in the in the garbage disposal." Dave, are you going to use um, Rebecca's sous vide technique in your sous vide book? Why are you trying to, first of all, why are you trying to get me to say negative things about Rebecca? And why are you cranking me on? Yeah, Nastasia, like, is that why you so brought me on? No, I just thought of it right now thinking about our party. Well, also, that was and first of all, your, how is that Rebecca's fault? Yeah, that was your mess up, not <laughs> mine. Not my mess up. Yeah, because okay, you were the okay, one okay, that okay, first okay. said it to. Here's some cooking pointers, people. Here's some cooking pointers. You read Talked between the lines what happened. Times. First of all, don't use food as a doorstop. I'm just going to go ahead and say, don't use food as a doorstop, right? Especially food that you're going to eat soon, right? Why? Not just because you might step on it or gross stuff might fall into it that could get on the bag and then get in, although that's also true, right? But because you're not looking at it because it's not at eye level anymore, right? So don't use it as a doorstop. 
Uh, secondly, learn the difference between Celsius and Fahrenheit and have some sort of mental idea of like at what temperature things need to be to start cooking. And then lastly, but not least, why don't you check on the food you're cooking every once in a while? These are some tips from Dave. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. But Nastasi, why are you trying to crank me? Yeah. So mean. What's up? Just, What's up with this? A, it's, I was thinking about your book and then I, Rebecca and I were talking about sub parties earlier this morning. And that. No, we weren't. We were talking about you what see, I'm doing for Mike's birthday, which I hope is not a sub party. Uh, well, uh, I, again, just to let you guys know, this is cl- this is classic, an attempt to get me to spool off into into yep. Zanyville and look like I'm the ogre. That's, well, I think it's just both of you guys would be ogres in that situation because you, you know, are in control of your words and what you choose to do. And Nastasia is <laughs> the one bringing it up. So I would say two ogres. Hypothetically, two, uh, two if ogres. we were to have this conversation, which we're not. So get to the questions, Dave. Oh, now get to the questions. All right. Joe Thompson wrote in a long time ago, and I'm going to use this as an opportunity to talk about something uh, similar to what you asked, Joe, because I never heard back from Adam Leonti. So Adam Leonti wrote a book called The Flower Lab in which he talks about uh, fresh grinding, uh, you know, baking bread with uh, freshly ground flour. He grinds all of his own flour. And I have to say... His bread is delicious, right, Nastasia? We can we, we yeah. can say this, but uh, but we had this question, and for weeks, Nastasia tried, I tried, no response. He doesn't the man get back does to not, people. Yeah. The, the man does not want to talk to us about your question, Joe. So I'm just going to use this as an opportunity to how to teach all of you. It, you know, if if I what, what what how does it how does it work? If I teach you how to do this, you can do it. Is that teach a man I, I give you, to fish that thing? Yeah, but I, I usually mutilate it to something horrible. Like if you get punched in the face once, you get punched in the face once. But if you buy a, a – anyway, whatever. Joe wrote in, good morning, Nastasia, and the rest of you if this ends up on air. A few months back, I listened to an interview with Adam Leonti about his new book and was inspired to hop onto the sourdough bandwagon once the worldwide grain mill supply rebounded after COVID hit. By the way, it's still hard to get one. They're still like will sell out as, the, as they get sold. So, you know, kudos to the – the grain mill people, I'm glad you didn't end up going out of business, and I'm glad that people actually buy your products now. Uh, now that I've lost any shred of your, meaning Nastasia's respect, I tried out the Flower Lab recipe, rye bread recipe, and it was a complete disaster. Uh, after cleaning up the dough waterfall that cascaded down my kitchen cabinets while the bread was rising, the final volume, the final product was more dense, gummy, rye pudding than bread. By the way, anytime you overload uh, the high, okay. Anytime you overload the hydration on uh, bread past the point where it can structurally hold, right? So it's it, it's too liquid and it will just the bubbles will boil up and out before it sets and it collapses. So you know you'll you'll get lighter area, lighter area, and then boom, super dense. Um, okay. Uh, rye pudding than bread. Uh, the volume in the recipe seemed off in the beginning, and I was wondering if you had any word of passing uh, these questions on to Adam to help me. Uh, and so. Here's the thing, right? Uh, by the way, the, uh, Joe is squarely in our demographic, mid-30s, white guy engineer living in the burbs with wife and kids, in case you were curious, Nastasia. Were you curious? <laughs> she, she's gone. Uh, so not curious that she is, in fact, gone. So I'm, I'm going to tell here, you I'm what here, I'm I, here. I'm here. She just I, didn't want to confirm t- or deny that. 
Wait, I didn't hear what you said. What did you say? Of course not. What'd you say? It's like the one hour where we actually need to listen to each other. <laughs> I week. had to close the window because there's someone drilling. Oh my God. Even in California? Yes, I can't. They've been jackhammering every day at my apartment outside the window. And they're like, you know what's a good time to start jackhammering? 7 a.m. You should wake up. Right, right outside my window. Uh, Nastasia, when you moved back, you said you're going to specifically look for places that are entirely built, right? Well, yeah, or have like a park in front of them. Oh, yeah. Well, well, let's get rich. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know if you know this, people, but if you want to live with a view of a park in New York, like, the, best, the best thing to do is to get rich. Yeah. Oh, you could do Gramercy. Oh, God, that's it. No, that's douchey. <laughs> yeah, also, oh, that's you're douchey. more rich, probably. Well, right? hold up, yeah. hold up, hold up. Nastasia Lopez just said that people who live on Gramercy are douchey. <laughs> And all the people who live on the Upper East Side overlooking the park aren't the douchey people in all of Manhattan? You need a key to get into Gramercy Park. You don't need a key to get into Central Park. Yeah. No, well, it's, it's not about the park. It's about looking out on something that's green instead of looking out on something that is a jackhammer. <laughs> I'm just going to jump in here and say that, and this is from, I, I don't know, I guess like years of experience, which I know you have way more than that with uh, anyone, Stasia, but like trying to convince Nastasia to live in a different neighborhood or uh, anything of the sort is very challenging. Oh, no, like, no. I'm it's not, it's yeah. a yeah. losing no, I'm, battle. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to convince her. I'm just saying I was just listing parks and she was like, that's not even a park because you need a key. Like, I don't even, I know she's not yeah. going to live there because for those of you that don't know, Nast like Manhattan is an island that's only a couple of miles wide. Like if, right? It's a thin, long island. It's not I want to get a scientist island. on this Nastasia because I Lopez, thought about it the other day and I was well, getting angry in the car and I want to get a scientist know. on it. Let people know. Nastasia is it, the, Lopez is it believes, what I'm thinking about? <laughs> yes. Yes, but people don't know yet. So let me tell them first. <laughs> Nastasia Lopez believes that the sunlight on the west side of Manhattan is better than the sunlight on the east side of Manhattan. I, no, I didn't whoa, say better. Whoa. Yeah, I yeah, didn't say yeah. better. It's longer. You get it? Longer. Okay, that's even more nutty. But and she says that this is true regardless of what buildings are between you and the setting sun, if any. If she has not discussed what happens if you live in Battery Park City, where you are both east and west side, we have not discussed this. No. Okay. But I would the, like I want someone to confirm a scientist to confirm that if you live on the west side. Of something. The earth is a ball. <laughs> it is a ball. I want a real scientist. No matter where you live on I that want ball, a real in, scientist. Terms of, in terms of east and west, you are on a circle that is spinning, right? Therefore, you can choose any place on that circle and you will experience the same number of hours of daylight and nighttime. Now, if you move up or down, if you change your latitude, sure, you can change the stuff. But remember, Manhattan is a roughly north-south oriented thing. And so when you go east to west on, on, on Manhattan from the east side to the west side, you're pretty much staying on the same radius circle of rotation that the Earth is on. So, You know, it might be something with the reflection of the light, though. Like oh, it Jesus. Be... 
a scenario. Oh, so by, by but you know by this Nastasia, I know where Nastasia needs to live, Rebecca. Elizabeth, New Jersey. It's right across the river. It's slightly <laughs> more west. They get slightly more. And now that you're in California, like every day is eight days long. To, every day is yeah. eight days long. Hawaii. Because it's longer. The further west you go, it's longer. So now yeah. your days are eight days long because you're 3,000 miles further away. Although the sun does set later than it does where you guys are right now. That, so when the sun sets oh, depends. Whoa, whoa. When the sun sets. <laughs> I mean, obviously, obviously the sun sets depends on where you are. But also the sun set depends on where you are in your time zone. Right. So like you could be if you're all the way on one edge of a time zone, you can you're the sun sets almost an hour different from when you're on the other edge of the time zone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> How about that rye bread question? <laughs> yeah. Rye bread. Let's try it. <laughs> OK. So uh, it does look to me like the, the numbers in the Leonti thing, like there might be a. Uh, like a, a typo on on one of the things, but here's what I typically do when, and th this is this is hopefully perhaps the only useful thing you're going to hear out of my mouth today, because clearly nothing else has been useful. Uh, and you know, if the future is like the past, I will say nothing more useful today. Um, I don't know, like the child abandonment stuff was pretty good. I don't know how useful it is. Just keep going. Don't respond. <laughs> um. I'm going to talk a little bit about how, like, how I check recipes and how I develop recipes, right? And John and I actually spoke about this uh, on the on the phone yesterday. And John, you said you use a similar kind of a thingamajig, right? Yeah. Yeah. So first first thing you need to do before you do anything is you need to go out and taste somebody's product that you like, right? Find a product, find something that you like. You need a target, right? Now, sometimes you can't have the target and you need to you need to kind of cook in the dark, but it's very difficult to know what you're trying to achieve if you haven't had the thing in the real life. Now, again, you can't always do that, uh, but actually nowadays, and again, it's not the same. You can go to someone like Goldbelly and let's say you're researching Natchitoches meat pies, which are delicious, but you've never been to Natchitoches or to the Cane River in Louisiana. You can go on Goldbelly now and someone will ship you frozen Natchitoches meat pies and you can at least see whether you're close to what they think a good one is, right? Okay, so first of all, get your Or you can just buy the product and eat the product and be like, this is the best Wait, ever. Nastasia, I don't need to make I, my own. But what did I just say? Didn't I just say buy the product? Yeah, and then stop there because you're never going to achieve what they're doing. Okay, that's uh, really helpful in a cooking advice show. That's oh, really wow. helpful information in a cooking advice show. To tell people just don't bother cooking. No, but again, but that's it. People, we're done forever. <laughs> no, with buy bread. all your food. With we're done. Bread. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. My name is Samantha Garner, and I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm a cheese landian because I take cheese seriously, just like they do in Wisconsin. Cheeselandia is a community for loud and proud cheese lovers brought to life by Wisconsin Cheese. I know that I can always cook amazing food with their cheese, and it's even good enough just to snack on. As a Cheeselandia member, I know there is always a supportive community behind me who always gets as excited as I do about cheese. Go to Cheeselandia.com to learn more, and if it's for you, sign up. Check us out on Instagram at Cheeselandia. This episode is supported by Nourish and Flourish. 
Nourish and Flourish features behind-the-scenes stories about artisans, producers, farmers, growers, and other makers in America, along with delicious and wholesome recipes. The latest issue of Nourish and Flourish is a special artisanal gift guide showcasing some of America's finest products, including everything from the farm and garden to eco-friendly home goods, kitchen and cooking essentials, bath and body, original art, blown glass, seasonal recipes, and so much more. Shop online to support local and buy local. Together, we can make a difference. Learn more at nourishandflourish.site. We're done! First of all, Nastasi, here's where I think you're wrong. Here's okay. where I think you're very, very, very wrong. And, and I've been thinking about this a lot because you say this all the time. Yes. There is a lot to, to trying to do something at least once to see what the issues are in, in making something and then saying you never need to do it again. But to like figure out, it's like I went through a thing with cheese. I'm never going to make the world's best cheese, but I went through it so I could understand kind of like what was going on, like how hard it is, like what the different variables are. And it helps me appreciate other people's products more. So actually doing something actually helps you appreciate other people more and is a good thing to do. I can see that. I can okay. see that. All right. So uh, what I do then is I research, and it used to be much harder. It used to be I used to go to the New York Public Library back when they had books in the New York Public Library and not just computers to type out your resume on. Uh, I would go and I would read every single book on the subject and write down the different recipes. But now it's so much easier. Get an Excel spreadsheet or you know Word or whatever if you can't use Excel, and then go look at a bunch of recipes, a bunch, and you can look at the reviews if you want. A lot of times I look at the reviews and if, if something has a lot of bad reviews, I see why they say it's bad and then I look at their recipe and I see whether or not what they have in their recipe is different from other people's recipes. And what you'll do is if you look at, let's say five, six, seven recipes, you'll, we'll, you'll notice trends. And then you'll see where particular recipes are different from trends. And then when you read reviews, you can see kind of how that difference from the, from the rest of the recipes in that same trend, how that difference translates to how other people were making the product in the finished uh, thing. Now, again, ignore anyone who was like, I didn't have flour, so I used buckwheat. No, it's not, it doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like you have to like focus on reviews where people have actually made the recipe. Um, so I just did a single recipe uh, look. I looked at Leonti's recipe for rye bread versus um, uh, King Arthur's uh, recipe for uh, full corn broat. I would for rye for what he's doing here. I would look at full corn broat as the as the standard. I didn't look at the picture of what he's doing, but it looks like it's a full corn broat thing. And indeed, the hydration is is way higher. Interestingly. Um, both have starters or pre-ferments that are at 100% hydration, uh, but then um, Adam goes on to have a much higher amount of water such that it makes more sense if it was the water, the 900 grams of water were for both the 500 grams of flour and the 500 grams of coarse rye in the bread dough. Even so, it would be a relatively high hydration. Uh, when you're doing bread specifically, when you're putting all of the data points into your Excel spreadsheet, one of the things I like to do is look at total liquids versus total solids, and then also certain ratios. It, it, recipes that have eggs, look at the egg to water or egg to milk ratio, so you can kind of, because that's important. So like when I'm doing like like brioche or, or, or liege waffles or things like that, I'm looking at um, overall hydration, 
ratios. I'm looking at fat to starch ratios, and I'm looking at uh, milk to egg ratios. And without even like knowing like a lot, lot by just lining up all of the ingredients in like you know across five, six, seven columns of an Excel spreadsheet, you can then choose your own starter recipe of which one of those you want, and then make sure you write it down and then take notes on it. And then uh, you can adjust. And then after you're finally done, you can pitch the Excel spreadsheet and just keep your own recipe. And that's how I do recipe development. All right? Does that make any Great. sense? Perfect. Yeah. Right. That make, John, since you actually enjoy recipe development, that make sense or no? Yes, that makes sense. All right. Now, are we on our two-minute clock now, Stas? Wait, we need to just mention that our newsletter is coming out today. Quickly. Oh, mention it. Newsletter's coming out today. How do they get it? <laughs> Um, I'll put a know. link in the show notes. Thank okay. you. And, you and by the way, the what's, in the what's in the what's newsletter? newsletter? You are talking about something you got for Christmas. Uh, John's talking about New Year's recipes because poor guy wrote the thing before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which, which New Year's recipes? Done on time. Which New Year's which, which New Year's recipes did you do? I thought so much New Year's recipe. Well, there's one for. Um, beans you know and uh, like mashama bailey's recipe for beans for i new made year. that recipe for new year's it was great okay oh, can, nice, I, yeah. can i tell you something about well finish what it is and remind me beans remind me beans uh well i don't know then i also included a history of toasting and the science of like when you pop open the champagne bottle at a certain temperature there's a little blue cloud that happens between the cork and the and the bottle so you're talking about toast the things you do with friends and family with glasses of uh of Champagne and not the pieces of bread that become crunchy. Correct. Yeah. All right. So beans. Beans. He's like, I don't care what Nastasi and Rebecca had it. Oh, jeez, Elise. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Just no, it's fine. Me. It doesn't matter. Oh, come on, please. Go on. Beans. Well, I actually, wait, wait. I'm interested for Dave to know about Booker. Actually, has a violin, Nastasi. Do you want me to go have him get it and play yes, something for you? Please. I think. He, he well, actually, play... I talk about the violin in my section, so that's really? very relevant. For real? Yeah, I do. About a yeah. violin. Well, I talked about two care packages that I received for the holidays. One from Nastasia, which was pretty incredible and very thoughtful and included a like a watercolor painting slash card that she made for me and mm -hmm. a scrub made with sand from the beaches of Malibu. So I just wanted to say thank you, Nastasia. Wait, 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 what do you mean a scrub? Like a oh, body scrub. Boy. And the body scrub has actual sand in it? Yeah. Yes. Nastasia sends me very nice care packages of things like citrus and like little tiny banana guavas. Uh, don't ever send anyone out there. Don't ever send me sand. Do not ever send me sand. I well, that's hate why she sand. sent it to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I like, obviously know this is why we would win the colleagues show. Yeah, the colleagues. Yeah, the colleagues show. Yeah. Um, but the other the other package I received is from one of my best friends from growing up, Eliza, and she moved to Florida like a year ago. And all of us in our friend group looked at her like she had, you know, two heads. We we're like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but she especially during, you know, COVID and everything, she's living like a very you know, charmed life. She has a huge garden that she made outside. And so she's just constantly sending us photos of all of these amazing tropical fruits she's growing. And oh, she, so she's in South Florida. So no, she's, so she's in, uh, she's outside of Tampa. 
Like oh, it's relatively north for tropical stuff. Yeah. So it has and to then, withstand a light frost then. I guess so. I mean, yes. she's also, she went to Warren Wilson College and has worked on farms for a long time. So she's, you know, if anyone can do it, it's her. <laughs> um, but she also like goes swimming with manatees on the weekends, um, um, which she did this past weekend. Um, but she made me a shrine to our old orchestra conductor um was the holiday gift that I got and it was pretty incredible but I played the violin and Eliza plays the harp um so if you want to learn more about what a shrine to an orchestra conductor conductor looks like you should check out the newsletter harp huh hey I want to learn an instrument where it takes up my whole house but I don't want it to be as versatile as a piano what do you got (laughs) how about I mean she didn't live in an, she didn't grow up in an apartment in New York, so they had plenty of room for the harp. But um, anytime, like she still plays it, like she'll play it for weddings and different events and stuff. Harp, but moving yeah. it is such a challenge. Harp is great if you're like really rich. Like when I was like a little kid, I took piano lessons, and my teacher she had like you know the Steinway Grand, not the baby Grand, like the full Grand, because I guess her she was rich, I guess. And she had the full-size harp. And when you have that giant, you know that giant living room with the windows with the fancy curtains and over near one corner, you have that giant kind of like gold gilt harp. Like, mm-hmm. it's, a serious, it's a serious sign of wealth right there. Again, not a poor person's instrument. It's a power move. You it know? is a power move, much like smelling real bad. Mm-hmm. What about smelling real bad at the harp? Um... That I guess if you I don't know does anyone have the power to do that like if you're I don't think you know the real power move is to talk about nitrogenating coffee cocktails. Well, I was like beans. See, you guys try. First of all, Nastasia got out of saying what she wrote about. Nastasia's is incredible. Mine's a surprise. Talk about mine's a surprise. Okay. Very good. Okay. Okay. It's very Uh, good. So on beans, how many of you? And I think this is a family-friendly word. Uh, how many of you have uh, fart problems with beans? Not really. Yeah, not like really. in general. In other words, like I don't eat like I don't eat beans every day. So like I'm not saying that I walk around going toot 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 toot. But like when you have beans, I feel <laughs> I feel the bloat. You know what I mean? Like when I make beans, I have beans, I feel the bloat. If I eat a lot of beans, like for instance, like it's going back to New Year's, like New Year's, I do the hopping, John, every year, I get a little bloated. I'm not saying like it's a nightmare, but I get a little bloated. You know what I'm saying? Uh, none of you guys have that problem? No. I'm the only person, or you still want to admit it. A lot of people, I just don't think it's oh, noticeable enough. Yeah, it's like not I can't noticeable. say that. Let me just that, put like... it this way Harold <laughs> McGee started writing on food and cooking because. Beans make people fart. Oh, that was the whole shoot, reason. Dave. We're supposed to talk about Gene Lester. Okay, let me finish Beans, and then we'll talk about Gene Lester. I thought you were going to have Harold on to talk about uh, Gene Lester. No, we're not having Harold on. Okay. So, uh, beans have uh, non-digestible uh, polysaccharides in them that you can't digest them, but then when they, like, I think raffinose is one of the ones that they look at for, you know, to... to to look at to see like what its fart potential is, right? And, um, but your gut bacteria can, right? And so if you eat a lot of beans, so, you know, Matt as a vegetarian maybe eats more beans than I do on a, on a day, on a, you know, weekly basis. And so he's built up the ability to have non-gassy responses to beans, which is true, right? So the more beans you eat, 
the less gas you're going to get every time you have beans. That's just a true fact. Now, uh, for those that are very affected by it, right, you can use this pill called Beano. And Beano is an enzyme that you take right before you eat the beans and it breaks down the, the sugars in your gut, right, uh, so that you uh, don't have this problem. Now, other people, what they try to do, and one of the reasons to pre-soak beans isn't just cooking, but a theory that you'll leach out some of these, uh, you know, water-soluble polysaccharides and then dump them down the drain with the, with the drain water, right? So, like, and a lot of people, when they're adding things like bay and other things, are trying to do things that are going to break down these polysaccharides, break down the foaming ability of the beans. Beano is um, not... Uh, Beano is not, doesn't survive cooking, so they don't tell you to use it beforehand. But I did a study, a small study, because I only did it once or twice, of adding, of doing a warm water pre-soak at uh, 100 degrees Fahrenheit for uh, an hour and a half in beans that have been, like, so I soaked the beans for an hour to get, let the water in so that the beans were somewhat hydrated. Then I added the Beano and I let them soak for another hour at 100 before cooking. And I have to say, Almost no bloating on that sucker. Almost no bloating. So I'm working on I'm working on a beano-based fartless bean uh, situation. Interesting or not interesting? I mean, you guys don't have problems, so maybe it's not interesting to you. But I think interest- a lot of people do. I think a lot of people. Hey, do. I want to know what exactly is the scientific process for this? Like, how many times are you going to do this? Well, the real way to do it, right, is that I would need to find someone with uh, a GCMS who's interested, and you cook a, re- a sample using a regular one a regular technique, and then you make a sample and they just test it for raffinose levels and, uh, and other, you know, mm, um, undigestible okay. polysaccharides. And then they can just tell you, oh yeah, like the, the, the technique that you're using knocked uh, the raffinose levels down from, you know, X to, to Y. And if you really want to do it, you'd, you'd send them like four samples, like, uh, well, you do, you do replicate, probably like a, like a replicate of three, but aside from the replicate of three, you'd pr- probably want to say, okay, listen, the, the repeated soak, I'm going to test that with and without the enzyme versus not, you know, not pre-soaking at all, et cetera, et cetera. You ever notice how all the people who say that you shouldn't soak beans, the test they do is on quick cooking beans? They never do the test on real long cooking beans. You ever notice that? No. Okay. Well, well that would make sense as to why they say that then. Nastasia's like, <laughs> Nastasia's like, why cook beans? I can just buy beans cooked. True. Okay, yeah. Gene Lester. Uh, so, Nastasia Lopez likes, well, okay. So, Nastasia Lopez, Harold McGee, and I yeah. went to uh, Eugene Lester, who was a former IBM exec. Uh, he had, like, I th- if not, I mean, it's the best I've ever seen, but like one of the greatest collection, private citrus collections anywhere on earth. True or false? Yeah. Uh, just, you know, up the mountain from Watsonville, which is where they grow a lot of the strawberries in California. And uh, every year the fruit explorers would go there and they would have like a a citrus party. And Harold McGee got us a semi-private hangout with him. This is like five years, five or six years ago now, with him and with a couple uh, of other people who were like, we were horning in. He was showing his two friends, the owner of the place, Eugene Lester was showing his two friends this and Harold convinced him to let Nastasia and, and, you know, the three of us horn in is what happened. And so then we, we ate lunch with them and Nastasia Worst lunch ever. has never forgiven anyone for this lunch, even though like, I feel like you this know, comes up all the time. It does. It's, it's the weirdest thing. I don't understand where the, where the entity comes from because the guy didn't have to let us into his house at all. And 
you know, instead let us taste like, you know, a hundred varieties of citrus. And after, you know, lunch, we had free reign. Of the didn't place. have lunch, Dave. That's the thing. Everyone had lunch and they didn't feed us. So we just sat there for three hours. It wasn't three hours. And yes, who cares? it was. Yes, it was. It wasn't. And who cares? Anyway, uh, he died. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 And that's what Nastasia wanted me to say. Well, he meant something to you. I mean, his collection, I, I only met the guy once. I was super psyched. I think about his collection of citrus quite often. And, uh, you know, he had a good fruit knife. He also collected, a, I forget whether it was Mercury's, like, like uh, old Mercury cars and blocks of wood and a specific kind of uh, classical uh, music recording, although I don't remember which one it was. He was a collector of things. He collected citrus. I believe it was like 39 or something Mercs. Uh, chunks of wood from all over the world and a certain kind of classical music. Was, am I missing anything, Nastasia? And we didn't get lunch. But he also, you know, opened up his home to you guys, which is very nice, and shared yes. his collections. Yes, yeah. And I didn't want to eat any food anyway because I, there was more, more space for citrus to shove in my face. And then what happened, Dave? I pooped pure orange juice. It was amazing. In my bathroom. <laughs> Your bathroom? Harold McGee's bathroom. It was Harold right McGee's next to my bed. It's next to my bed. Poor Harold. Poor Nastasia. That was the best smelling poo ever. It was the only everyone. time I was like, I was like, my poop don't stink. Boom. I loved it. Uh, if I could. Oh, you know, apparently not poor Dave. Wow. Okay. No, it was amazing. <laughs> he was like, this is the best day of my yeah. life. <laughs> I was like, I was literally like, this is amazing. Like, oh, a little bit of a, I'm not going to go too far into depth on it. <laughs> but let me just say, in the ongoing, if you're keeping track of the Carpenter Arnold household, that's my house, the Carpenter Arnold household consumption of squid ink, let us just say that the, that, that, inky, that inky color from squid ink sticks with you all the way through when you consume ridiculous amounts of it. Mostly with that. That makes sense. I'm not shocked by that at all. Yeah, no. Apparently, you know, um, it's unpleasant, but yeah, not, not necessarily shocking. Mm -hmm. All right. Wait, Shark can we just blood. go back to this for a second? So when you were experiencing this, you know, pure moment of bliss on the, in the bathroom next to where Nastasia was sleeping, like 4 a.m., yeah. <laughs> First of all, Nastasia yeah. is conflating two different. No, I'm not. You are. Yes, that no. was that was the Merle Haggard trip. You are. Well, when did I wake up and I say what said? That was the Merle Haggard trip. That was the same thing. No, it was not. Okay. Well, I'm going to say at Harold's house. Okay, but then why were you in the bathroom again? And I had to say, are you okay? You didn't. As that was the first. I came out and told you about the orange shoes. So I'd like to yeah, say, there was, say what there was a second person you, staying. Like, with I need this, to share this. Uh, what Nastasia is, is thinking <laughs> is that there was there was three people staying in Harold's basement that first day. Both of us tried to be polite and wait for everyone to be asleep and go. And Nastasia woke up for both and then like never stopped talking about it ever. And so I don't understand why anybody goes at four a.m. Consequently, consequently, I will never stay anywhere near a room with Nastasia ever again, ever. And then, yeah, and then for what, for years, sounds she's like, like she we, would be upset for about years, that. For years, she's like, what do you mean? You're being, you're so mean to me. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. 
Like, and then the one time you got your own room in a hotel, you left the bathroom door and the lose-lose situation. This conversation has proven to me that you guys have known each other for too long. Yeah, first of all, like, I'm a grown man. I want my own room. I want my own bathroom when I'm away from the house, right? I think, I think I've achieved that level in my life. Dave, do like, we want to go get the violin for you too? I'm not, I'm not whining about it. I'm just telling you a fact. You know what I mean, that's just a fact. We need to get Peter Kim on the show. Yeah, yeah, Peter Kim. And talk more about this. I haven't spoken to him in a while. All right. Charlotte, uh, I hope I got the right email address for you guys. I have a question about nitrogenating coffee cocktails. Not carbonation, Nastasia, so you can mellow out. Wait, two minutes? Oh, it's a little late for that at 12.52 to start your two-minute timer. No, uh, we'll I hope start I got it the so right... we can crank through some. Yeah, I hope I got the right email address. I have a question. I've made a coffee Americano cocktail that I nitrogenate with the uh, EC Nitro Whip using nitrogen, not nitrous oxide. So this is a, a thing that EC started selling, I don't know, maybe three, four years ago, where they use nitrogen uh, canisters instead of nitrous oxide. And people get very confused about nitrogen versus nitrous oxide. Nitrogen is what's in the widgets in Guinness. And the idea is it's very, very not soluble. So you put it in, in, in under relatively high pressure. And then when you suddenly release the pressure, either in a carbonated or not carbonated situation, the nitrogen forms many, 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 many very small bubbles and creates the creamy head in a Guinness. And that's how the widget works. Anyway. Uh, whereas what I use for infusions is nitrous oxide because I want it to be soluble. Let's just be clear. My friend, uh, has a pub that is currently closed and has a canister of nitrogen in the tap room because they're making their own beer gas, uh, I guess. They also make carbonated cocktails using your carbonation cap and plastic bottle method. We were wondering if we could hook up the nitrogen canister and use that with uh, your method on my drinks. The uh, nitro charges are very expensive. So the nitro charges require the pressure to be released very quickly and also uh, probably want some whipping. So you have two things you can do. You can either buy the adapter to screw the tank onto the EC cylinder. People sell that. Just be careful. Make sure that you don't have the pressures go too high. Buy it from a reputable source. That should work exactly the same as the, the canisters that you're using, but does require buying the adapter. If you're going to do it in the bottles, you're going to have to put a small amount of carbon dioxide to provide a... Like, like some extra volume of gas coming out. So I would, I would put a light amount of, uh, you, and you need to mix some gas. So I would do like a light pre-carb, release it, and then hit it with the hard nitrogen, shake it, and let it foam out. But light carb, you have to do some testing to see uh, what you get it right. But I'm guessing that you're going to need a little bit of CO2 in it to get the same effect if you're doing it in a bottle. How many minutes was that? Seven seconds left. Perfect. Booyah! Uh... Peter Hill wrote in about making uh, Orja, but I'm not sure I'm going to have the answer, so I'm just going to read the question and let other people chime in. Uh, hey, Dave, the hammer, and the rest. It's Pete from St. Pete. I'm wanting to send a friend some Orja and Tiki bitters. I'm going to attempt to make it, but I'm worried about the Orja. My first thought is to try making uh, an Orja base with almonds and Di Sirono from a recipe I found on the internet, but omitting the sugar, because of the Di Sirono has it, and water it calls for. It would be 90 grams of almonds, 25 grams of Di Sirono, and a little salt. Uh, the rest of the recipe calls for white sugar, uh, dem, and another 155 grams of water with the 20 grams of orange blossom water added after everything else is steeped. Would I need to add a little water to get full extraction of flavor from the almonds? What ABV would the solution need to be to be shelf-stable to ship? 
any other ideas on how to make it would be great. As always, love the show. Keep up the great work. Hmm, I, you know, I never tried doing this before. I would keep any alcohol level above 20. If you have a high enough sugar, if you have a high sugar and you're above 20%, it should be relatively stable for most things. But that doesn't necessarily... For, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that the quality is going to stay high. Obviously, the higher the ABV, the higher the quality is going to stay. Um, and, you know, look, the fact that there's alcohol in the DiSorono is actually going to uh, increase the extraction of certain things from the nuts, but decrease the extraction of other things from the nuts. It won't hydrate it. So I can say what, give it a tr- Yeah, what nuts? These nuts. I like, you know, Stas, every once in a while we're on the same page for, like, in the real life because I was going to forget to say these nuts. Yeah. And then Good. it would have been... Yeah. Right. Wasted opportunity. Yeah. It would have been wasted. So if any of you out there in the chat room universe, uh, tweet tweet me the answer and we'll read it to Peter if you have any experience doing this. Uh, Nick Carlson wrote in via email. Uh, recently moved to Indiana, Pennsylvania. Uh, I, I've never. I don't know about in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Do you? You ever heard of this? No. Uh, and we'll be splitting a whole cow and pig with my family in the area. This means that the grinder attachment for my mixer won't cut it anymore. I'm in the market for a dedicated grinder. I already did this question last week. I did this question. Hmm. Did you? Anyway. Okay. Yeah. I talked about it. And then um, uh, Capri Sun wrote in with a, with a bunch of recommendations. Some people said use the LEM, which is like this stuff. Some people said buy the uh, grinders from Cabela's if you're not going to use it a lot. Um, but guys, go tr- – listen, Nick, go troll my tr- Twitter feed – about last week after I mentioned uh, this question and a bunch of people chimed in with grinder recommendations and much better to listen to somebody who's actually used a piece of equipment than someone who's theoretically used a piece of equipment like I have. All I know is, you know, again, take eight steps up from that from that KitchenAid thing because it is a nightmare. Although I have their new metal one and I haven't uh, tested it yet. I have been testing the KitchenAid ice cream maker. I have a lot to say about that, but I don't have the time to say it right now. Uh... Peter Flanagan wrote in, Dearest Hammer & Co. What do you think about that, Nastasia? It's weird. Hammer & Co. sounds like you sell... I think like, it's very nice. I think Dearest Hammer & Co. I like that. But Hammer & Co., do you sell tools or, or garden equipment? Uh, tools, I think. Hammer & Co.? I like Dearest that. Hammer & Co.? Hmm. I had an above-range microwave that has failed. Somewhat entertainingly, it would only work when the door was open. That's real bad, Peter. That's real bad. Um, This was not ideal for obvious reasons, so I'm looking to replace it with a toaster oven. By the way, did you guys know that you can buy microwave leak detectors? That people, there's there's a whole movement. I don't know whether they still make them, but they used to make them. Everyone was freaked out about microwave leakage, right? Everyone. So... Uh, they would sell these things and then people would go around their microwaves and be like, it's leaking microwaves. The truth of the matter is, is that the, the holes in the front are so small that, okay, so can you picture a microwave oven door, people? Can you picture it? You have the mesh on the inside, then you have a layer of thickness, of, and then you have another piece of glass that is like a couple centimeters, like an inch or like, you know, three quarters of an inch away from the mesh. And the idea is, is that the wavelengths uh, of microwaves are long enough that they can't penetrate through that mesh opening further than that outer piece of glass. So it's inherently safe. You could put, you, you could rub your chonies against the front of a microwave and be fine with your junk in it and not like scramble your eggs. You know what I'm you saying? You don't need to do that. We're not condoning I'm just saying that behavior, des- but you can. Yes. It's designed to be safe to do that, right? Yes. Uh, now, 
the whole Chinese. reason for the interlock is as soon as you open it, right? Yeah, then you're hosed. And then it takes only a couple of seconds of exposure to microwaves to completely, like, your, your eyes will turn white like an egg white does. Not the whites of your eyes, the cornea. And then you're hosed. You can't undo that. You're toast. Um, not That's in terrifying. the good way. Not in the, not in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's real bad. Uh, so obviously, uh, don't use it. Uh, do, do you have any preferred brands slash models? Additionally, I'd like to get some closure regarding, uh, ventilation options. Uh, there is no closure. <laughs> uh, Dave keeps coming back to roof mounted fans being the bee's knees. Uh, where would one shop for this kind of setup and how many CFMs is appropriate preventing a setup to be adequate? Thanks, Peter. Again, I would go online. There are a bunch of calculators for how much CFM really when you're extracting with a hood, um, how effective your hood is, is also going to depend on whether you can supply air to it. So the reason my current hood at my current apartment is not very good is because it's, my old hood was great because I was working with the way air wanted to go. Air wanted to come into my kitchen and go out. So my hood was helping it in my current setup. Um, I need a lot extra because I don't have a natural supply of air. Air wants to go the wrong way in my, in my house. And so like I should have a supply of fresh air that went in and then got sucked out by the hood. So a lot depends on all of those things. The main thing with the hood is, is that the bigger your fan, the slower it can spin and the slower it can spin, the less irritating it is. Home hoods are just so, not only do they not suck, i.e. they don't have enough, uh, um, C CFM and they don't have enough extraction, but they also, um, they also are like that jet line loudness, which is really irritating. And furthermore, um, they, they the, one of the problems with me recommending it is, of course, fire hazards. So you want to look and the, the ones, the ones that are mounted above your oven. The assumption is is that you can turn it off, and the ones that are external, it, it's much more important to be fire rating. Brone, who makes crappy equipment for home ranges, also makes an external mount. Just look it up. I'm sure there's something better now than there used to be regarding microwaves. I had to buy the smallest, I'm in an apartment in New York, so I had to buy the literally the smallest microwave possible, and I don't use it to, to cook, I use it for mainly for melting, so I can deal with a very small wattage. I detest, detest, I will say this again, I hate, uh, I hate those little carousels. Do you guys hate those carousels? Yeah. I hate them, right? I hate them. Uh, they never work, they always, they get filthy, they're nasty, they're gross, like, they, the motors are weak, they, they, when I look at something and it's, then it spins and it, and the corner of whatever it is hits the edge of the microwave and it stops spinning and then it makes that thing and it moves. Irritating, right guys? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Panasonic, I've never used it, but Panasonic makes a carousel free professional microwave oven that's relatively small that has, so there's two ways you can do this. You can use a carousel or uh, there's three ways actually. There's a carousel there, and then some people put a literal inside of the where the where the microwaves are generated a little metal fan, and that metal fan actually evens out the microwaves by like they call it stirring the microwaves, so that you get a more even uh, um, distribution of microwaves without a lot of hot spots. I believe that's the way the professional Panasonic works. There's also another thing which I believe Panasonic uh, has also done, where they try to put. Um, microwave shaping like weird shaped cavities on the inside to try to make it more even but I would take a look at I believe it's Panasonic with the stirrer in it I don't know whether it's visible or not but like look it up where it stirs the microwaves for you so you don't need that rancid carousel uh, how am I on time there uh, John? Over. by how much 
Like, I didn't clock that one to be honest. Now you guys, you guys. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but but she also managed past one, so we should Joe, do like right, two Joe, more. All right, Joe Ankowitz wrote in via email. I just purchased a new Profitech 700 espresso machine, and it is the most money I've ever spent on a kitchen gadget. So I want to take good care of it. To that end, I was thinking of buying a water filtration system. I was wondering if you had recommendations. I live in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Thanks, Joe Ankowitz. Look, Brooklyn water. You don't want your water to be too soft. If your water is too soft, your coffee is going to taste terrible. Uh, you know, that's been, that's research that's been out there for decades and decades and decades, right? So you don't want your water too pure. Uh, you just don't want there to be a bunch of chunk in it and you don't want like so much, um, calcium that you scale up your boiler all the time. Luckily here in New York, our water is extremely soft. In fact, so soft that, uh, you know, some of the Ely family were making fun of me years ago when I was interviewing them because they said you can't make decent espresso with New York city water because it's too soft. I think they're wrong. I've had good espresso here using New York City water, but it doesn't require filtration or softening to get rid of the deposits that are going to F up your machine. What you do want to do is get rid of chlorine, and so I would use a standard uh, chlorine and sediment filter in case you have rust in your pipes and whatnot, but the water itself, I wouldn't do any too much treatment before it goes in your machine, right? Fast? All right. Uh, Dan, uh, Dan do wrote in via email. Hey, cooking issues crew, Dan from England, big fan of the show. Always had a great time at existing conditions. Whenever I was in New York, oh, existing conditions, uh, my mom, it. I don't know if I'm going to have an answer to this one either. My mom is a big fan of a cocktail called a snowball, which is avocado, which is the Dutch egg, uh, yolk liqueur, which I've never really used. You guys ever use that? No. Even with your Flemish background, you never, you never tried the avocado. I have not. No. I don't know, man. I don't know about you now. Uh, lime cordial and lemonade. Not my kind of drink, but she puts them away like nobody's business over the holidays. My grandma used to drink grasshoppers like 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 liquor was going out of style. I've actually done, like Jack uh, at the bar and I, and I did a, a really good grasshopper. Do you guys like the idea of a grasshopper or do you hate mint drinks? I'm all about that. I think that's You're all about the grasshopper? <laughs> so my grandma's name on my mom's side was Madge. And she looked like a Madge, even up until the, in like the, like the late nineties, she had that kind of like sixties, like, like way up high beehive hairdo. Like she was thin as heck, but still pulled her pants too high and cinched them too tight around her waist and had like wore, wore 60 style tops, like up until the day, day she died. And she weighed like three pounds, maybe. Right. And man, cause she put away grasshoppers anyway. Um, Okay, for a Christmas gift, ooh, too late. For a Christmas gift, I wanted to make uh, wow. homemade all oh, the ingredients man. instead of wow. store buying them. Wow. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Sorry. No, no, Christmas comes every year. They could mean next Horrible. year. It's unclear from the context. In your defense, Dave, you did try and answer this closer to the holidays, but you got sidetracked halfway through. So. I've been, uh, that's horrible. horrible. What I, like how, I like how that's the best defense you have of me. You tried, yeah. but then you got sidetracked. It's like when you try to make that birthday gift for Jen that one year, Dave, remember? Oh, what is it with you today, Nastasia? Seriously. Um, stir in the pot. Yeah, right? She doesn't, like, she doesn't want anyone to cook, but she yet she wants to stir the pot. I have a decent recipe for lime cordial and found a recipe for homemade avocado, but where I'm stuck is the lemonade. I want it to be soda-style clear lemonade as opposed to the cloudy, fresh, still lemonade. I have access to agar, citric acid, and uh, CO2, and figured either I'd agar clarify some lemon and add water and citric, or maybe forego the actual lemon and just use citric before carbonating. Any advice, tips? Uh, I would use a combination of lemon cordial, right? The problem is if you're going to make the ingredients and, and give it to your mom, right, they have to be stable. And um, fresh lemon tastes nasty 
uh, after it's been sitting around for a while. So I would, if you're going to clarify, Nagar clarifying is fine. Um, you can add a small amount fresh. It's going to go a little bit detergenty, but maybe you like that detergent taste. And then uh, I would cordialize some of it and use that uh, in the lemonade. And then uh, if you want to back off that a little bit, you can dope it with uh, a little pure citric and it should uh, work. Does that make sense? Is that a good answer? Yep. All right. Um, wow. Let me see. Okay, this one I'm definitely not going to be able to answer. Uh, Forrest Foster wrote in via email, I'm working with a small team consulting with a leaseholder to open a restaurant in Manhattan. Good luck with that right now. Jeez, Louise. Uh, the space was completely finished and inspected before we... What's the only thing to do in Manhattan right now, Anastasia? Uh, botanical gardens, both. Yeah. And it's not even in the Manhattan. I have to leave Manhattan. Oh, MoMA. Seen some very, very nice exhibits at the MoMA. There's currently a PS1, which is, of course, not in Manhattan. Uh, an exhibit about uh, art mostly by incarcerated people. Amazing exhibition. Oh, and cool. then there's a, yeah, it's great. Uh, go to PS1. And there's another a great exhibit that just opened at the MoMA called Artist, Engineer, Constructor, which is uh, a lot about mostly Soviet, Eastern European, but communist-based um, art, like uh, in between the world wars. And it's amazing. I've always loved that work. But man, they kind of, it makes me a little nervous because they whitewash the whole kind of communist murder thing. Anyway, back to back to where I was. Uh, the space was completely finished and inspected before we started. The work was also completed several years ago. We are currently uh, struggling with a Rationale Combi oven that is not functioning. Yeah, well, welcome to the cr- welcome to the club, dude. E- apparently, Rationale Combi ovens nowadays work a lot better than they used to in terms of not breaking. But they used to be. If you have an older one, an, o- an older uh, SCC, they were well known for having their lo- electronics uh, fry. It turns on and allows us to begin the startup test, but right after uh, the altitude adjustment, it trips at the outlet and turns off. As far as I can tell, it's not an issue with the outlet. It's the right voltage. And then the model number is SCCWE61G. Listen, I know this isn't a baking question, but any insight would be great. Thanks, Forrest. Okay, there's a couple of things. One, the voltage, the odds that you get the voltage right are high because you're going to get the voltage right, but you might not have the number of amps right. So if this was a new build out and these people like haven't done it right, I would check the circuitry and make sure that, um, that your breaker is big enough, right? So like breaker is both amps, the phase, right? So, you know, the the rationale, I don't know whether, uh, I, I didn't look, I guess the G maybe is a gas, but even the gas ones take a lot of electricity. So I would see how many amps you go into it. So uh, I'm assuming that it's not a, a ground fault interrupted circuit. If it's a ground fault interrupted circuit, sometimes uh, I would swap out the, G, uh, the GCFI because um, certain certain pieces of electronic equipment, if they send, uh, if, if the power factor goes off wrong, which is too complicated to explain in my two-minute window, uh, it can trip a GCFI. So we used to have a Hobart at the school that would trip all the GFIs in one room, but not in another. So I would swap out or plug it into a non-GFI or remove it temporarily and look at it if the GFI is the problem. If not, your amperage is probably not adequate. If your amperage is not adequate, remember you not only have to replace the socket and the breaker, but possibly the wiring in between because you do not want to run too many amps through too small a wire as a fire hazard. And if you have a fire as a result of that, your insurance will not pay. Good answer or not good answer? Good answer. Good answer. Luke Mezzer wrote in via email, uh, I'm going to be making herbal tinctures to eventually combine into a homemade Amaro. My, by the way, I've been drinking so much Cap Course. What are you guys, well, Nastasia's, you know, you, what are you guys drinking? Are you drinking anything different from what you normally? N- Jen and I have been drinking Cap Course like almost like every night before dinner. Not drinking anything. I know because uh, someone who you thought was going to come drink with you ended up they, they're in a teetotaling mood and it pissed you off, correct? 
Yes, and I'm alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you yeah. went to California so that you could see your family, correct or not correct? Correct, but it's like once a week, and it's very carefully. Yeah. Uh, my concern lies. What are you guys drinking? Anyone else drinking anything interesting? Cap course. So I, I, I'm like that's that's our thing now. That's our COVID thing. I've just been making Negronis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, Mike doesn't really drink that much, so it's usually oh well. We saw his family this past weekend. There was a lot of Pinot Grigio, and I had Frangelico for the first time. So oh my god! Speaking of these nuts, yeah. <laughs> um that's, so that's yeah monk nuts that's that's like you know that's like the monk the, oh, i was definitely is, feeling it the next day we'll just what is there. this drink that you were mentioning though dave that you've been of course i don't know what that is oh my god so like it's like it's like it's like a, a sweetened wine-based uh herbal thing with a little oh, bit yeah. of quinine in it there's a red and a white and a lot of people are like, oh, it's like a summertime thing. Uh, I'm t- here to tell you, you can drink it in the wintertime. And so, and people make spritzers out of it, but I, we just drink it like on a rock. We drink, we switch off between the red and the white. It's real cheap. It's like, not real cheap, but it's like $20 of, like for the big bottle. And you just have a little bit before dinner. It's a nice little thing to have before dinner. That sounds delightful. I'm going to look at yeah. it. Is. It is. It's a good product and it doesn't cost that much. Brought to you by the people at House Alpans. 20 bucks. Hey, people at, here people at House Alpans, why don't you come? Well, we like drinking your products. Why don't you pay us? Anyway. Um, okay, you gotta go. Uh, Mike, so, whoa, 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 I gotta finish so that I don't have to come and do Luke Mezzer's question again. I'm almost done. All right, all right. All right, two minute clock after I finish reading. It's like uh, Leslie Jones on Supermarket Sweep. And when you, after you read the question, that's when the timer starts. I love her. Uh, oh my God, I watched that show religiously with-, with uh, Question, question. Yeah, there was, there was a team, Team Barbecue. Oh my God! Oh, one second on the on last week's supermarket <laughs> sweep, and they ripped it up. They ripped it up. Like Jen, Dax, and I were both like, normally we think we're pretty good at this. These people are crushing us. Like I feel like I've never been to a supermarket compared to the the Team Barbecue people. Anyway. Um, my concern lies in the safety of using some of the ingredients I have planned. The main one I was concerned about are licorice root and wormwood. I also have gentian, kinchona bark, shizandra berries, devil's club root, which I've never used, angelica, and wild cherry bark. If I'm making a tincture of each, then combining small amounts of them with other tinctures, including things like dried fruits, simple syrup, water, etc., the concentration I think should be relatively low, especially if you only have one or two ounces in a cocktail or neat in a night. Do you think there's any real danger here or would it only be a problem if you're drinking 750 milliliters at a time or something else crazy? You're fine, dude. You're fine. Like that, that, that guy who died from the licorice, he was eating an obscene, an obscene amount of red licorice every day and was like, what if I just switch to black? This is like what I said with, with Booker. Like, no one has ever eaten as much squid ink as Booker has in, in, you know, in, a, in a day, and so nobody knows what the effect is. They've tested it on mice, so we think it's going to be okay because the, the squid ink consortium manufacturer wants to say that it's helpful, so they stuff mice full of squid ink, and um, they must be spraying black squid ink poo all over oh their gosh. little cedar-chip cages. Oh. But it's been tested on that, but, but no one tested that on, on black licorice. There's no one ate that much. You're not going to eat that much. Don't worry about it. Shizandra berries are drunk in quantity by, uh, you know, a lot of uh, uh, East uh, Russians, like over on the Siberian side, and also in China. So it's got a long history of use there. I think you're fine. Kinchona bark, you know, uh, if you made it dangerous, it would be so bitter that it would be unpalatable. So, uh, and wormwood, the amount of thujone that's in wormwood, you're much more likely to over-thujone someone with sage. uh, Although, I mean, who can eat that much sage? So in short... 
don't worry about it. And the and the Swedes sell the wormwood uh, liqueur called Baska. Uh, like the Baska Dropar is so bitter that it's like it's like Malort basically, which is Malort's the ripoff of Baska Dropar. So like, and and that doesn't kill people in the quantities that you can consume. So if this stuff has enough of that stuff to kill you in it, it would also be so unpalatable that you'd be using it by drops and not in something you would drink. So Luke, you're fine. How's that? Very good. And it had to be under two. Yeah. That's, All right. It was. Yep. All right, All right, so uh, maybe we should do these like kind of like maybe what we should do next week is like just say before we even start talking, before we even introduce ourselves, we'll just rip through five of these on a two-minute thing, and then we'll do our normal like, hey, how is he doing? And then we can – what do you think? And then we okay. can – Yes. That sounds, that sounds very promising. And we're going to try it for next week, so we're not going to talk about Charlie Chap. How, Rebecca, we how do you We can talk about him, here? but after, the, after you do that. All right. Just saying. Right. I'm not saying we have to or that we want to, but, you know, don't for any of the you table. Are, for any of you that are interested, at, like, you, you, why doesn't anyone just start, like, requesting that we talk about, like, random information that is interesting? Like, for instance, Because like, they don't care like, about that, Dave. Like, panko. Panko. <laughs> I could talk for a whole hour about panko crumbs, but no one cares. No one's asking about panko. That's one, Nastasia, that would be hard to make yourself. Do you know that it's made with electrically... Uh, it's... Panko is cooked between two electric plates, and they do that so that it never, it's a resistance heating method, and they do that so that it doesn't have any crust. The panko bread that is used has no crust, so they can grind the entire thing whole, which is how they get that texture. Anyway, no one cares about panko. Instead, they want to know about something else. I don't know. Well, I, I like the idea. Like, if there's any random topic that you want to hear about, you know, let us know. All right. Well, we knocked some of these questions out, but I feel like still, John, is the list getting shorter every week or not even? It's staying about the same because right, you're not. De yeah. Devin, the dude, I don't have like you, you, you. I'll do this one last. Get this out. What's a good brand or type of chicken bouillon? I'm assuming you mean bouillon cube. Um, just so you know, they're different. It depends on where you live. The recipe is like usually different. It's same in a whole country. But I, uh, I once was hanging out with Unilever and they own uh, Knorr or Knorr, and their bouillon recipe is vastly different from country to country. So it's it's not just a brand. It's like where you get it. Um, but you know, I never use them by themselves. I always use them just as a as a base. I think right now I do have uh, Knorr in my in my uh, pantry. Just you know, that's what I have now. Um, and even though normally I don't, I've been moving towards lower salt varieties just because they give you um, the ability to use more of it uh, and and, redu and reduce without having to worry about because they do contain, can contain a lot of salt. All right, uh, so I got rid of that one too. And we'll I'll talk to you guys. Is there, we're going to be here next week, right? There's nothing uh, stopping us from being here next week, right? Yeah, right. All right, cooking issues. <laughs> Issues is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs>